Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. While you're turning there, I give honor to our bishop and to our pastor tonight of love. Appreciate them and am forever indebted to them for their investment in my life as a person who attends this church. And uh, don't know where that any of us, but speaking for myself, don't know where I would be without their investment and without their contribution, both as family and as ministry leadership. And I love and appreciate them so much. To those of you that are anxiously awaiting, the opportunity to rewind your DVR and check out the Super Bowl this evening, I make a commitment to you. I will not go any longer than I have to. But I feel no pressure to stop any earlier. I'm not going to do anything out of spite. All right, Uh, I plan on rewinding the DVR myself. But I'm in no hurry tonight. I want to have church. Can we do that? And if that's 30 minutes, if that's 15 minutes, if that's whatever, then thank God. 1 Samuel chapter number 21 and verse number 1. I'm going to jump through a couple of different passages here, so you may have to follow me on the screen. But The Bible says, Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? Jumping down to verse number 8, it continues and says, And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. Jumping now to chapter number 22 and verse number 17, the Bible continues And says, And the king said unto the footman that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it unto me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord. And the king said unto Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day fourscore and eighty-five. That's eighty fourscore and five. That's eighty-five people, in case you're wondering, that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings, and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. Of the sword. Uh, if you'll allow me for just uh, just a moment here uh, to explain something, you know, this is probably going to sound just a tag carnal, but 
in reading some books or in watching some movies or shows, uh, I think and hope that most of you can relate that there are some stories that are told that kind of jump back and forth. Some go forward, some go backwards, and then they fade back and they catch back up and they're kind of going back and forth. If you'll permit me tonight, I might jump back and forth just a little bit to connect the dots for a little while tonight. But with the help of the Lord tonight, I want to minister to you on this thought. What will you make of your valley? What will you make of your valley? I wonder if you'd just lift your hands with me right now. There's a sweet presence of the Lord here tonight. We've got, we've got someone being baptized in Jesus' name later tonight. We are excited about what God's doing. Let's rejoice in His Word together. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you today. God, we need you this hour. God, I need you, Lord, to speak your word today. Help me, God. Help me, God, to say what you would have to be spoken this hour. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God, we give you praise today. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. And somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. You can be seated. That's a courtesy, not a command. David has been anointed king privately by Samuel around the age of 15, history records. Soon after David was anointed, Saul lost his anointing. David was anointed to be king while there was still a king on the throne. Pastor just touched on this. I believe it was last Sunday night. Since David cannot ascend to the throne, he begins working where he can to support the people and fulfill his calling. David conquers Goliath at the age of around 15. Saul's jealousy begins to be asserted toward David from 1 Samuel chapter 18. In chapter, nine, in chapter 20, we see, uh, again, pastor preached masterfully on this last week that the arrows were beyond David. In chapter 21, David is on the run and he is approximately the age of 23 and he is considered by Saul to be a fugitive worthy of death. Now the current events of our scripture setting tonight find us that David is still running for his life. He's afraid. He's alone. He doesn't know who he can trust. David comes to the place of the priest. And as we read in our scripture text, when the sword of the Goliath was mentioned, David began to have some things come in focus for him. Now David begins to feel like he's in familiar territory. His memory from 8 to 10 years or so ago is now starting to come back to him. He remembers the battle. He remembers the victory. He remembers how God delivered him and all of Israel from a godless giant. Strength begins to come back to David as he remembers everything associated with this sword that lay before him. And the Bible tells us that David says there's none like that. I know that sword. I know what that sword can do. Give it me. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have the right thing in front of you, to maintain right focus in your life, you will lose sight of what's important in your life. Your priorities will change. Your attitude will even shift. And your focus will blur. 
The Bible talks much about vision and how without it people will perish. Vision is good. Vision is necessary. Vision allows us to do many things. But vision without focus is just blurry. Blurred vision brings handicap. Blurred vision will stop you on your walk. Blurred vision will handcuff you in your ministry. Blurred vision will cause you to not see God. Blurred vision will cause you to not see your family clearly. Blurred vision, you'll lose your witness. With blurred vision, you won't see yourself and your shortcomings. Blurred vision leads to excuses. And blurred vision leads to acceptance of things that are biblically and spiritually wrong that once upon a time I would not have participated it in but if I do not maintain focus in my vision I will adopt the things of this world that once I said was wrong but I will declare them as okay because my vision is blurred to stay focused takes effort it doesn't happen by accident to stay focused requires intentional effort we find David in a town called Nob And in 1 Samuel chapter 21, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know of anything of the business whereabout I send thee, And what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what is there present? And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women... And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. And the vessels of these young men are holy. And the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So, watch this now. So the priest gave him hallowed bread. That's showbread. For there was no bread but the showbread. That it was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken. So we have here the priest tending to the tabernacle. We have here the priest tending to the Ark of the Covenant. We have here the priest tending to the showbread. The showbread was baked weekly. And as it was hot and it was fresh, it would be replaced with the weak old bread. And that weak old bread was what was sitting aside because the priest had just placed some hot bread into the Spirit and the presence of God. And this weak old holy bread was available. David technically wasn't supposed to eat it. He wasn't a priest. But the priest gave him the bread. Let me tell you something. Be careful what you consume. If you want to consume what the priest consumes, expect the sacrifice of the priest. But don't ask for the food of the priest if you're not willing to walk the walk of the priest. There is... You've got to be careful what you ingest into your life. 
In David's time, Nob served as a sanctuary site. It is believed in history that Nob is the place where the ark of God had moved after Shiloh, after Eli and his sons had been murdered and killed. Nob is where the priests dwelt. But Doeg is in Nob also. And in verse number 7, the Bible says something very particular and it's important. David's just walked through his introduction with Ahimelech. David has just told him, he told him a bunch of stuff and he kind of misrepresented his, his story there a little bit. But David has told him that he's on king's business and the king's business requires haste. Give me some bread. We know as readers, David's running for his life. We know that David's looking for something to help him. And David is having this conversation with Ahimelech. And they're located at the tabernacle site. The Bible says in verse number 7, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. Now I had to look this up. Because in my mind, I thought, you know, a herdsman can't be that great of a classification. I thought, organizationally speaking, a herdsman, Brother Malone, is probably at the bottom of the pecking order. Not so. A herdsman, especially the chief herdsman, he is one of the highest ranking officials on the right hand of the king. He, he's the man taking care of business. So here's Doeg. Doeg is the chief herdsman of Saul. All right, I want to connect the dots here very carefully and keep in our mind here, Saul is the king who's lost his anointing. Saul is the man who's chasing after David. Saul is the man who wants to murder David. And Saul's chief herdsman is at the place where the conversational exchange occurs between David and Ahimelech. And Doeg, the Bible says, was there. Doeg was an Edomite, a descendant of Esau. We know that Esau was the twin brother of Jacob, the sons of Isaac, of the descendantry of Abraham. And we see in Genesis chapter 23 and verse 25 and verse 23, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. This was a prophecy that was as much about the offspring of the brothers as it was about each brother. This wasn't just about Jacob and Esau. This was about their lineage. This was about their family heritage that would come on in generations to come, which we're seeing that Doeg is a descendant of the Edomites. And Esau, his name was Edom. Alright? So just as Jacob was called Israel, and the Israelites are the children of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, alright? The same thing can be said everywhere you see in God's Word that the Edomites are referred to. They are from the line of Esau. The same as the Israelites are from Jacob. We know that the Israelites are the people of God. 
We know that because of God's Word. The Edomites from Esau, Genesis 25, 23 tells us that the elder shall serve the younger. Now, the elder in the Hebrew comes from a word that means abundant, plenteous, and mighty. And if you think about Esau in terms of his physical condition, he was a hunter, he was red, he was hairy, he was, he was, you know, he had that November shag going. He was the guy that was, you know, he was prepared for cold weather. He was prepared for hunting. And, and, sorry, Brother Heath, about the, the shag statement there. You, you got an Esau look going on tonight, brother. All right. The younger, in, the younger in the Hebrew comes from a word that means little, few, and small. All right, now, now stay with me here because if you snooze right now, you're going to lose. All right, you, you're, you're just, you're just going to be thinking about the Super Bowl and I don't want that to happen. But the Bible says that the elder shall serve the younger. So definitively, those that are in abundance, plenteous and mighty, will serve the little, the few, and the small. As readers to the story tonight, and as believers, we have seen and witnessed how this statement of prophecy has come in to fruition throughout history when you look at the nation of Israel. Considering this beyond just Jacob and Esau tonight, but seeing how the country, the land, is geographically so small and they are bordered by their enemies and by comparison to other regions of the world, they're few in number and they're small, yet they are mighty in war, yet their enemies are defeated, yet God still sustains them, yet God still watches after them. What are you saying? I'm saying that the declaration of the Word of God is true in every count from cover to cover. If God's Word says it, you should believe it because He's demonstrating it right before us that God will have the elder, the mighty serve the small. So Doeg was an Edomite. 1 Samuel 21 and 7. I want to read it again. Being redundant on purpose. I know I've already read it. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day. Detained before the Lord. I want you to look at your neighbor tonight and say, Detained before the Lord. This is important. This has much significance. Some, there are two beliefs in recorded history about Doeg being at the tabernacle site in Nob on this exact day. There is a belief that he was a spy and that he was laying in wait at the tabernacle in support to Saul. I find that less than probable. This is Mason chapter 5 verse 1. I don't buy it. I don't believe that that's the case because there was no way he knew that David was going to be there. David left his iPhone at home. GPS tracking wasn't on. There, there was no way that Doeg knew that on that day that there would be a date of significance and that, that David was going to show up out of nowhere in his flight from Saul and come to have a conversation with Ahimelech. So the other line of thought in recorded writ is that, David, that, that Doeg was... An Edomite by birth, but had been converted to the religion of the Jews. 
And as such being detained before the Lord, he would have been there either because he was just observing the Sabbath or he was there for the fulfillment of some vow at the tabernacle. Nevertheless, Doeg was, Doeg was there. David was there. David was being helped by the priest Ahimelech. And Doeg witnessed the entire conversation as it took place and unfolded at the tabernacle site in Nob. Nob was a priestly town. It was where the ark of God was located. It was where the priest was stationed. It was there that David received holy bread that had spent a week, my Lord, the bread, I don't care if it was stale or not, that bread had been in the presence of God for a solid week. And David is consuming a substance that has been in God's presence 24 hours a day for seven days. And it was there that David was reminded of a piece of history as he asked for the sword. And I read again to you in verse number 8, And David said unto Ahimelech, Is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my weapons, my sword, nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of the Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt, take it. For there is none other save that here. I, I don't have another sword. The only thing I've got to offer you is what once upon a time brought you victory. And David said there's none like it. Just go ahead and give it to me. Woo! Woo! My Lord. There appears to have been a type of comfort in David when he discovered that wrapped behind a worship garment was the sword that he had used to slay his enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, don't pick up a sword. Don't pick up a tool. Don't pick up anything until you first pass through a season of worship. Before you ever try to slay a giant in your life, make sure you've worshipped God first. I can't slay my enemy without worship. I can't sacrifice without worship. Woo! David survived the taunting of Goliath because of worship. According to Jewish tradition, Goliath appeared morning and evening, taunting the Israelites, beating his chest. Who, put it in my own words, who's big enough to fight me? According to Jewish tradition, it is still today. But in that time, morning and evening were two occasions in which the Jewish people were to recite the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. In the morning. And then in the evening, they would once again recite it. They still recite it because it is an affirmation of their faith. It is a belief in the power of hero Israel. The Lord our God is one. 
Never underestimate the knowledge of knowing who you serve. Because it's who you serve that'll get you out of your valley. It's who you serve that'll help you wake up when you're depressed. It's who you serve that'll give you victory when you need it at your most. So the traditional belief is that Goliath appeared morning and evening to interrupt the Shema. The belief is that Goliath appeared as they were about to say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, that Goliath would show up about the time they would begin to declare their faith, that Goliath would show up and interrupt them and say, Who will fight me? Now imagine now, you're about to go to prayer, and you've just kneeled down, laid down, sat down, whatever posture you take, but you've just got into your prayer posture and you're getting ready, Sister Margaret, to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, Lord. And as you're getting ready to say it, a thundering giant voice interrupts you as you're getting ready to say, Hear, the voice says, Who will fight me? wanted to interrupt them. He wanted to cause there to be an omission of the affirmation of their faith. Let me tell you what happens in your valley. In your valley, if you are not careful, when you walk through a valley, a valley experience in life, your enemy will do everything he can do to distract you to get your attention off of your faith. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to worship. He doesn't want you to serve God. He doesn't want you to come to church, but he'll let that as long as you don't do anything for God. He wants you to omit everything about your faith all because he's interrupting you. Oh, why don't you just lift your hands right now and just love the Lord together. So we find, we find that Saul continues his pursuit. In 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Here now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? He thinks they're bribing, that David's bribing them. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? That all of you have conspired against me. And there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you that is sorry for me. Lord have mercy. Saul, the unanointed evil Saul has become a drama queen. Or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Saul's lost it. He's mad. I mean, he's psychologically mad. He's lost it. The evilness of his heart is is consuming everything about him. He's so mad that if he can't find David and kill him, he's going to take it out on someone else. 
So it continues on in verse number 9. Then answered Doeg the Edomite. Listen, listen, listen. Remember what we just talked about with Doeg being at the tabernacle site with David and Ahimelech. Doeg is there because it's believed that he had converted to Judaism in spite of his background. But now, now, then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw, I hear in my, I hear in my mind a little kid going, nanny, nanny, nanny. I saw David. I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahituv, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came, all of them, to the king. Remember now, just because he's evil and he lacks anointing, Saul's still the king. He's called for the people. They have come to him. And Saul says, verse 12, Here now, the son of Ahituv. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. My favorite thing in that whole verse is that Lord is a lowercase l. <laughs> and Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me? <clears throat> thou and the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this time. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David? Which is the king's son-in-law? And goeth at thy, your bidding, and is honorable in thy house? Did I begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, Ahimelech says. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all of my fa- the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. King's not happy with his response. Dun, dun, dun. The king answered and said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. Watch this. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord. Those that stood around Saul had enough sense to see with their own eyes what was happening. And in spite of being commanded by the king to kill the priest of the Lord, they wouldn't do it. But the story don't end there. Watch what happens next. Verse number 18. And the king says, guess who? Doeg. Turn thou. He's the chief herdsman. Turn thou and fall upon the priest. Doeg. The Edomite turned and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day four score and five persons that did wear a linen ephod 
And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep, with the edge of the sword, Doeg, the Edomite, the man that some believed was converted to Jewish religious culture, the man who some believed was in Nob, a priestly city, to fulfill a vow of God at the tabernacle, has now returned to the presence of Saul, and as if on cue begins to tell all that he saw, and all that he witnessed between David and Ahimelech. And on the instruction of a madman, Doeg killed the priest. He killed the men and the women, the children and the babies, even the animals with the edge of the sword. It was a bloody massacre. Nob was two things. And here's where I attempt to tie all of this together. Nob was two things. Nob was a priestly town. It was a town of ephod wearers. It was a town of worshipers. Nob was also the site of a bloody massacre. There are two reasons. There are two responses, rather. There are two responses that you will have in your valley. You will worship or you will resent. In worship as the priest of Nob, you will wear the linen ephod and you will worship in spite of your circumstances. In resentment, you will have the response of the Edomite and you will slaughter everything around you with resentment. Because ladies and gentlemen, understand something and understand me clear tonight. You don't have to put a sword or a gun to someone to kill them. David whose name means loving. He had been in Nob and he, was, he had sought after the ephod. Doeg, whose name means anxious, he had been at the tabernacle of Nob and afterward he, na- he massacred the priests, the men, women, and children. In other words, Doeg had went to church And after it was over, he had decided he didn't get anything worth keeping, so I'll just kill everybody involved. As an Edomite, Doeg had on him the spirit of Esau. Esau lacked spiritual discernment. Esau was a man of flesh. Esau didn't sell his birthright because he was hungry and that he was about to perish. Esau sold his birthright because he desired things of the flesh. Esau lacked perspective. He lacked vision and discipline. Esau was a poser. He was a pretender. He didn't care about relationship as long as he got what he wanted. Esau was a manipulator. Esau was selfish. Esau said, I would rather have a bowl of soup than a relationship with God. This was the nature of the Edomites then. And this is still the nature of the Edomite spirit today. There is a spiritual representation of Esau in the world today that wants us to sacrifice everything we have for a few minutes of fleshly satisfaction. If I can just get happy for a while, I'll give it to you. The Edomite nature of Doeg surfaced when he got back into the presence of an unanointed king. 
Be careful who you invest your time with. It matters. I refuse to spend my time with people and invest my life with people that don't want to do the right thing. I can be friendly. I can be friendly with people who aren't God followers. As I should be. But I can be friendly without being friends. Without yoking up. Because who I spend my time with, who I invest my time with, is a telltale of where my heart is, where my spirit is. No, let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let me say this. Now, I'm coming to a close. Believe it or not, I'm coming to a close. No one can make you walk away. Well, they offended me. They didn't save you. I disagree with what pastor said. Pastor didn't save you. Until we learn as Christians and as people of God to allow other people in our life to be as human as we expect everyone to allow us to be, we're going to live a suffering life. Because it's full of drama and it's full of contention and it's full of debate. Be careful what you invest in your heart. If you walk away, it's because you got in the presence of things that were not anointed. And you decided to stay there. Stand with me tonight. If musicians will come. I can tell you tonight, having the truth spoken into your life is not always easy. I have had people speak the truth in my life. And I have been faced with a decision before pastor. I had two choices. I could listen or I could rebel. And I'm not always talking about even church environments. In corporate environments, I've had people tell me things that I needed to hear. I either listen or I walk away. What happens to me after is a direct correlation to my decision. I close with this tonight. The location of Nob is, according to history, there's no exact determination of where it is. But it's believed to be on the slope of a place called Mount Scopus. If you're, if you're standing in ancient Israel... And you're, you're, you, there's, there's, you can look at the temple on one side. I took this picture that is up here uh, facing out over the Judean desert in old city Jerusalem. And it is believed that down through that valley is where Nob was located. 
And as standing at this picture, standing in this profile, behind me, you could turn around and see the temple, the temple where it stands today. It was in a different location then, but you, you can see the temple and the walls of the city of David. Now there's something that, that really stands out here to me that I, I feel it's important to explain because we're talking about what will you make of your valley because ladies and gentlemen, you will have a valley. That is non-negotiable. You're going to have a valley. But you're either going to have a David response or you're going to have a Doeg response. Valleys. Often in, in the English language, when we look at writings in the Bible where that it refers to mountains and it refers to mounts, like Mount Carmel, Mount Scopus. There's different mounts. In Israel, in Israel most places that the Bible calls a mount, it's actually a hill. Okay, Mount Carmel got its name from three preachers back in the 1800s based on the hill because it reflected to them as a reminder of the hill Mount Carmel. The city's name origin comes from Mount Carmel in the Bible where Elijah was. I've been on top of Mount Carmel in Israel. I actually took an early morning jog there. It's pretty amazing. Haven't had a run like that since. But my point is, is this for our purposes tonight is a representation coming off this hill. This is a valley. A valley doesn't have to be so deep that it's like Mount Everest to Mount Everest. And you've got this great cavern now. Oh my goodness, how am I ever going to get out of this? So I would declare to you tonight this. That the distance out of the valley is the same distance as it took to get into the valley. And if you got into the valley, you can get out of it. If you're in it, you can get out of it. The question tonight is, what are you going to make of your valley? Is it going to make a worship posture? Or am I going to resent my conditions? Am I going to resent God? Am I going to resent my pastor? Am I going to resent those that I church with? Am I going to resent life? Or am I going to come to God with a, with a linen ephod spiritually draped over my shoulders and say, God, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to walk on out of it by faith. This altar is open. I wonder how many would gather around tonight as we prepare to sing. This altar is a place where that you draw strength to walk out of your valley. What are you going to make out of your valley? What are you going to make out of your valley? God, I, I want a David response tonight. I want a David response. I want to worship. I want to worship. I want to worship. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.